0: Broadcasting from Chicago's 1871 Technology and Entrepreneurship Center, home of PR Week's 2019 PR Decoded Conference, welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies. My guests today are Deb Geyer, VP of Environment, Health and Safety, and Corporate Social Responsibility, and Shannon LaPierre, Chief Communications Officer at Stanley Black & Decker a company providing tools and innovative solutions for builders, protectors, makers, and explorers. With the mission to be a force of good, Stanley Black & Decker works to enhance people's lives and make a positive impact to the environment. In 2018, the company launched a new partnership with Discovery Education to bring a stronger maker-focused curriculum into the classroom, as well as a robust CSR strategy focusing on three main pillars, empower makers, innovate with purpose, and create a more sustainable world. Over the past few years, Deb and Shannon worked tirelessly to launch the company's purpose and CSR efforts and drive a shift towards enhancing lives and doing better for local communities. Deb Geyer and Shannon LaPierre, welcome to Brand on Purpose.
1: Our pleasure. Thanks so much for having us.
0: It's great for you guys to uh, join us at this conference in Chicago. Happy to do it. In this super cool space where we're burning calories in this huge <laughs> warehouse.
2: It's great. It's a beautiful space. Wonderful. Glad to be here. I wish
0: I could take credit for this space. So, Stanley Black & Decker, 175 years young, iconic brand, actually brands, right? That's right. And you've launched two initiatives most recently. So you have the partnership with Discovery and you have a kind of a revitalized effort with your CSR initiatives. Let's just start there.
1: That's right. The, The work with Discovery Education and the new CSR program were really outcomes of our work around purpose. So at 175 years, we began the arduous task of looking at who we were as a company and why we existed. And it was really in alignment with an understanding of how quickly the world around us was changing, technology, the geopolitical landscape, and that in order to sustain for another 175 years, we were gonna really need to understand our role in society and what we could be doing as an organization to really make sure that we were contributing in a positive way and ensuring our own long-term sustainability. Really recognizing that, our customers, the communities that we live and operate in, we're really expecting a lot more from companies than just them generating a profit and giving people jobs.
0: Or great products.
1: Or great products. Great products,
0: yeah. just it's not enough anymore.
2: Impact drills. Right. Right. <laughs> and I would say too, as in uh, 2016, when our new chief executive officer took the helm, he was very clear on three main initiatives. Maintaining our top quartile financial performance, but also being a leader in innovation, and elevating our commitment to social responsibility. And there's not a amount of CEOs that are that bold. Did the did.
0: CEO come out of this industry or a different industry?
2: No, in the same industry.
0: Same yes. industry. Yes,
2: It's actually pretty interesting. He had been
1: with the company for about a decade and a half, had come out of GE and joined Stanley Black & Decker as CFO, got promoted to COO, and then was in the process of getting named CEO when he started working on his plan and the with the board's engagement as well on how do we take this company to the next level of performance. We've performed great from a financial perspective, but what does the next hundred and seventy five years look like for this organization and what can it become?
0: Right. Well, it is quite unusual, but also incredibly inspiring that someone with a financial background yeah. is willing to right. Right. venture into territory that People typically with that skill set think is kind of soft
2: well he calls it the qualitative side okay the qua- <laughs> Right. right.
0: Yeah, so he's a quant exactly exactly and you guys are kind of a cool team because you have you're pairing technical communications. And it's actually the first time I'm speaking with kind of a dynamic duo where, Deb, you represent the technical side. What I would also describe as kind of keeping the programs honest and true to the KPIs. And Shannon, you're keeping it honest in terms of communicating the narrative and what's going on and holding ourselves accountable to key stakeholders.
1: And the authenticity of it all. And I think what's awesome here is that Deb has a science background. So particularly for a global manufacturer, the science around what we do and the environmental and sustainability aspect is a huge part of what we do on the CSR front. So it's great to have that background and expertise as part of our team.
0: And did I read that you want to be carbon positive?
2: Yes. So do you know what that means?
1: Well, I know
0: what carbon neutral means, but obviously, so carbon positive, my guess would be putting myself on the spot to be able to give back. Yes. To others, yes, right?
2: To offset others. Others who are not footprints. offsetting. That's right. Exactly. So taking ours to zero and then going beyond to offset another company's or portion of somebody else's yeah. carbon footprint.
0: It's the first time I've heard of that. Everybody's like, well, we can get to neutral, we're happy. So positive, that's ambitious.
2: Mm -hmm, Very much so.
0: So what's the pathway to becoming carbon positive? We have
2: lots of different levers that we've planned out in terms of our how to accomplish carbon positivity. It starts all the way with our foundation on driving sustainability, as Shannon mentioned. But we have a good focus on energy efficiency across our operations. And even as we go into the fifth industrial revolution with more machines, we're still dropping our energy consumption And we're doing it by sourcing in renewable energy. So we actually reach out to our utility companies. It's very commonplace now that you can ask them, okay, we want our energy, our electricity to be coming from a renewable energy source. And you shouldn't have to pay more for it. And so a lot of our plants and locations are doing exactly that. Several of them as well. And that's are global or is that? It's n- a global.
0: Yeah. So I imagine it's kind of challenging to also deal with other countries and their utilities or is it the same as dealing in the Actually, States? it's
2: coming almost equal playing field now. Interesting. It's not that difficult anymore. Yeah. Years ago, yes, it would be a little more difficult, but there's such a rallying cry now about climate change that, and from the youth on up, that change has happened and the utility companies have accommodated you. Just take well. Greta with you.
0: You'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. That's Greta.
2: Yeah, we could, She's here to negotiate our new we rates. Could, uh you know, multiply her and get her out there even more. She's great.
0: And how long is this plan? Is it a 2030 plan? 2030
2: plan, yeah. yes. So we're definitely looking longer term with ambitious targets. So we're advancing ourselves from, I always call it the incremental year over year, slightly get better, just don't get worse approach, to thinking longer term with the ambitious targets, like carbon positive. Instead of just a 1% I'm better this year, let's let's hit zero and go beyond. So we have a long-term vision.
1: We spent a lot of time working on those targets and trying to make sure they were aspirational but realistic to achieve and aligned them with the UN's 2030 Sustainable Development Goals too. So we wanted to make sure we were being consistent with metrics that people could track to and things that people were looking for. And
0: you'll report this annually?
2: Yes, we do. Okay. We're very, very transparent. In our year in review, it's electronic. Our annual report, very small in terms of just the financials on paper but definitely transparent about all these metrics.
0: Right. What else besides being carbon positive?
2: We have a vision to also make sure our operations send zero waste to landfill. Currently, we have about 104 manufacturing plants and about 28 distribution centers. And we have about 50 of our factories that have already achieved zero waste to landfill in our first year and a half and we aspire for the next two years to add another 60. So
0: dumb question, where does it go if it's not going to a landfill?
2: Oh, that means we want everything to be recycled, or we reuse it, or we compost it. Whatever it is, it does not end up in a landfill. We'll find another home. There are options for our waste to be someone else's product.
0: So you have a team that is working hard to be able to execute these things?
2: Yeah, it's actually very much embedded foundationally in our operations anyway. We've always been with a mindset to minimize how much waste we generate. Always, you know, just make sure we don't generate the waste to begin with. And then what we do, let's find a home for it, let's recycle it, let's reuse it. So it's embedded in our operations. I don't necessarily have a team with me all the time. We have leaders that guide, but it's embedded in our operations. But ultimately,
0: you're the one who's being held accountable for executing.
2: Yes, yes, that is my role.
0: And how do you guys work together?
2: But I think just to step back
1: for a second, I think that's a really important point with the purpose work and the CSR program is that we don't view that as it is our jobs and we oversee it for the company. But the purpose work, the CSR plans and strategies, they belong to our employees. They belong to our customers. So our job is really to help enable all that to happen across the organization and help facilitate that, raise the dialogues and issues, help engage teams to see where they can make a difference and have an impact.
0: So the environment is one huge pillar, very important. And it sounds like entrepreneurialism, innovation, this maker culture, that is another one.
2: No, actually, Makers is a pillar all by itself. It is. Yeah, okay. advancing that. And then innovation is a second pillar.
0: I see. So you see, I separate those two out.
2: So just to separate two things. So we yeah. have
1: a strategy and a vision for the company to grow to basically double the size of the company by the year 2022. So our 2022 vision under that, we have three That's pillars on aggressive. It's aggressive, but we think we can do it on delivering top quartile financial performance, becoming one of the world's most innovative companies, and elevating our commitment to social responsibility. And then under the CSR path, we have three pillars under that. Deb, if you want to run through those. Right,
2: which is the empower the makers with the ambition to enable 10 million people to thrive in a challenging world. The second pillar is innovate with purpose, where we'll use our products to enhance the lives of 500 million people. Again, these all have 20, 30 deadlines. And then the third pillar, as you mentioned, was create a more sustainable world by positively impacting the world through our operations.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the... Reaching 500 million people by using your products as a force for good?
2: Yes. So what we're talking about, it's not necessarily just advancing or being incrementally better in innovation of our existing products. It's actually encouraging us to partner our products that we're really good at with other entities To create a global solution. And we have a great example we can share with you if you're interested.
0: Let's talk about it. (laughs) Okay.
2: We call it several different names. The solar panel power project is a coined phrase. It's also a clean tech project. And it's also called Stanley Earth, our new brand of socially responsible products. SP3, no? (laughs) SP3. Well, if you like that, we'll bring that home. So what it is is Stanley Black and Decker is really known for brushless direct current motors. They form the heartbeat of every one of our power tools. And we're very proud of that. So we've partnered that piece with a solar panel company and a submersible water pump company. So together, we came together with an engineering solution to provide water on demand for irrigation purposes in parts of the world that are going through drought or water scarce, projected water scarce, and allowing them to now grow crops that they couldn't before but it also being conservative on water use, on demand. Does that make sense?
0: That's the coolest thing I've ever heard.
2: It's allowing these individuals and and farmers and communities to survive and to thrive. And that gets back to our purpose, that we're here for society. So why wouldn't we take on these types of challenges and create uh, something, a big solution that delivers that unmet societal need like we just met? These individuals need water and we've just provided it to them. not to mention a thriving life. Got the pilot program in India going on right now.
0: And you're giving this away, basically.
2: Yeah, well, it is commercial. We can provide it commercially, but we're actually working in partnership with the in this case the India government. We're trying to work with them on how they can offset subsidizing farmers with diesel fuel to operate a diesel pump to pump water and basically it just floods the fields and converting them to these renewable energy solar paneled pumps that doesn't require diesel, doesn't require the Indian government to subsidize their self-standing communities, but the government funds those solar panels for them.
0: But there's cost savings, there's life savings, literally, and there's environmental savings. Absolutely. Which is pretty amazing.
2: That's what we mean. Sorry, Shannon. That's what we mean when we say Meet an unmet societal need, and don't just focus on what we do good. Bring in others together, and make a great impact.
1: And the goal is really to have commercially viable products in this space, which then creates profit for the companies. We're doing well by doing good, but we're also able to use our own solutions to be able to give back and create more sustainable solutions around the globe.
0: And have you been following? I'm sure you have the Business Roundtables statement on purpose. Yes. Right. So they yeah, changed. We signed it on moved.
1: to that. Yes, yep. we great.
0: Okay. And I was happy. I mean, I feel like it's a little late to be perfectly honest with you, but it's better late than never. I was happy to see them do that. Do you feel like that is going to give it the green light? I mean, you're lucky. You have a CEO who's already enlightened, despite the fact he's a financial wonk. He's completely enlightened, enlightened. He's all in. But not all companies and not all teams have that benefit. That's true. And you're very fortunate in that way. Do you think that the BRT's statement on purpose will help People in your roles, whether it's the scientific and technical and then the communications role, provide more fodder to get these CXOs and these C-suites to actually move faster?
1: I do. You know, I think it's a really challenging situation when you think about where companies have been historically But all the trend data from where our employees are, where our customers are, where societies are, is really pushing and moving in that direction. So I think the smart CEOs will see the light on this and hopefully they have great communications and CSR folks at the table with them to help guide them through that process. Because it's not easy. The last few years have been a, a great deal of work and getting our leadership team and everyone on board and explaining to employees what we're doing and why. But I have to tell you the response from whether it's our employees or customer base or folks we do business with, recruiting, the the advantages and the upside from what it's we've huge. done has been huge. Yeah. I couldn't have even imagined. So you have
0: internal and stakeholder communications under you as well. Yes. Yep. Yeah, And that's just a huge key component because we're not just talking about communications, we're talking about change management. And that often isn't discussed and it's changing mindsets and behaviors Mm -hmm. and outcomes, but you're also giving people like a greater reason to be and to be associated with the company and shareholders are demanding it.
2: They are. And you said the right thing, change management. A lot of times when you look at social responsibility, people think of it as a cost, you know, an unnecessary cost, or there's some risk there. We need to make sure the world looks at it as opportunities. You know, don't look at them as the negative, look at them as the positive something else to add.
0: So what I like about your programs, and I want to get to the discovery partnership as well, is that you are focusing in on issues that are directly related to the business and the communities and the stakeholders that you serve. There are a lot of brands, consumer brands in particular who have also kind of decided to step outside of themselves and they're venturing into territories of social justice, activism, very kind of polarizing hot button issues for lots of different reasons. Do you ever see yourself doing that or having a need to do that?
1: I think the core of what we do is very aligned with our business. And we find there's a lot of needs and we'll get to those in a little bit directly related to our business, where we have an expertise, where we feel like we can provide a lot of value. So examples would be around the manufacturing workforce of the future and the retraining and reskilling that needs to happen or helping more high school students get into vocational and trade programs where there's a huge need for vocational folks training uh, for a plumber and electrician, and sure. which are great career opportunities that sometimes get kind of tabled or kids don't get directed into them as great job opportunities. So we feel there's a lot aligned around there. But we have also found ourselves in certain situations, whether it's things related to the LGBT community, for example, where we've signed on to some legislation and letters and helped advocate for that in cases, because these are our employees and these are things that are really important to our employee population. Right.
0: I think that makes total sense. I, I don't have an issue with it, but I do think it's smarter and safer to stay with in confines or ring fence, things that are associated with your business. Cause you have what I would call permission to speak and it's more credible too.
1: Well, that's where your expertise is and your best knowledge is in that. And I think that's the place where you can have the best impact. And why not make an impact in a place that's close to home, where you can impact the communities where your employees live and work? And if every company does that, you will basically surround the whole world. But I do think there are times when companies find themselves in positions that are maybe a little outside of the sandbox that they do feel compelled to get engaged in because they are so important to populations of people that are important to them
2: and don't forget our company is 175 years old. So we've survived three prior industrial revolutions. So now we're going through the fourth. So we definitely connected to that as a means to, as Shannon mentioned, educate, upskill, reskill our workforce and those in the community to adjust to that fourth industrial revolution. We have the experience on how to survive. Why wouldn't we focus and help and drive that? But also keep in mind this strategy that we're talking about goes out to 2030. So who knows what happens then? We could... Go out to 2050 with a brand new strategy, which might be even more ambitious, taking on challenges that fall outside of our comfort zone.
0: Listen, your strategy might be executed by AI. They don't even need us anymore in 2030. Who knows, right? (laughs)
2: Could be. We
1: think there will be a place, and we've been talking about this at our company too, because of some of the limitations of AI, at least currently, that it will be a people, talent, technology integration that we'll see happen.
0: So let's talk about discovery education. How did that come about and what's that program about or the partnership?
1: So we were really looking at, we set the CSR strategy and the first pillar and that was about empowering makers. And so we really spent some time thinking about that and how we might start making an impact around that and leveraging partners to do that, recognizing that we might not have all the distribution and bandwidth and ability to reach everyone we wanted to reach. There's about 10 million manufacturing jobs around the world right now that are going unfilled because of the skill gap. And we know that the next generation of makers and creators is going to need to get inspired about what the new world of manufacturing looks like. So it's not really about those kind of dirty factories. Where the industry is going to be going is to very clean plants, more high tech, automation, robotics, and it's going to require much more technical skills than what the jobs have required in the past. And so we really felt like we had an opportunity to inspire folks to really get engaged around that particularly around the STEAM education, it's surprising to some folks to find that a lot of schools don't have those kind of STEM education programs in the public high schools, even in the U.S., and we thought that was a place where we could help contribute. So we partnered with Discovery Education, which has a great connectivity into the school systems and teachers and network. And they're part of Discovery Network? They are, yep. They're nonprofit arm, and partnered with them to help bring some of that education into the school system. So October is Maker Month. So there is a World Maker Day. So we're in Maker Month right now. We are in Maker Month. So we really rallied our team around figuring out how we could do more with Maker Month. with something that hadn't really received a lot of notoriety. We were surprised to find that there was a day, World Maker Day, that we didn't know about. And so we wanted to start, started last year and then this year, but hopefully in the future to really get more folks engaged around that month and bringing to light the great careers available in manufacturing.
0: Right. And how do you bring that to life from a communication standpoint? Are you working with influencers? Or are you going to work with YouTubers? I mean, I've got two teenagers and the Gen Z population communicates, whether it's through TikTok or Snap or what have you, or Reddit in a very different way than, I'm just going to say we're all Gen X era, sure. I guess. <laughs> How are you bringing that to life? Or is it just the very beginning right now?
1: I'd say it's at the beginning of a lot of what we're doing. We really focus in three areas around make a future. So inspiring folks to make and create and share those stories on social platforms and to work with schools on providing exercises and projects that they can do in the school system and then share those. Make a statement. We launched a scholarship program for high school students who want to go into vocational and trade schools, and that's available for folks to access and then also, also engaging our employees across the globe. So opening up our factories and plants to the communities and working with the school systems. So they can
0: like see, feel, touch, talk to people. Exactly. Get firsthand experience. Exactly.
1: Both in the plants and in the office environments. And then also getting our employees out into the community to go into the schools and into different community programs to be able to talk about the work and the future
2: of the manufacturing.
0: So it's like every day is bring your kid or bring a kid to work day kind of thing.
1: We have offices, you know, it's hundreds transformative. Of offices.
2: I mean, when you think of it, it really is transforming the classroom from what we might have remembered books and writing and chalkboards. No, they really have these Prometheus on.
0: boards and all that, right? Yeah.
2: No, it's very hands-on.
0: I mean, I liken it too, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in a more micro way, it's kind of like now when you go get your car repaired or maintained, the mechanics need to be as much computer programmer as they are actually hands-on mechanic. They need to understand, oh, I need to change that chip. In a exactly. Car, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things are so different. Yeah. Exactly. So you're bringing him along that journey basically and also getting him excited about alternative careers. Did you say 10 million jobs?
1: 10 are,
2: million manufacturing jobs. Uh, manufacturing
0: jobs, jobs are unfilled. unfilled because of a lack in that skills. that skills gap.
2: imagine the manufacturing workforce transforming from very manual processes to now Automotive, you know, just robots. So what we've also focused on is upskilling our own workforce. So with Discovery Education is the is up-and-coming generation, but what about our current workforce? So we are investing our energy and time, transitioning a manual job, an experienced worker, let's say, and aligning them to the millennials coming in, and they work together. You see in the YouTube videos, really trying to capture what the manual job is and then programming it into the robot. In that process, the experienced worker becomes, like you just described, the mechanic can change the chips now and can program the robot because they've learned through that whole process. And then the millennials go on to program another piece of the factory. So it's very much upskilling our own workforce and looking at the up and coming generations as well.
0: Well, and whether it's perception or reality, the thought that we're giving away our manufacturing jobs overseas, which is always going to be a thread that comes up, you're helping to keep people here. But also, if companies choose to manufacture overseas, you're also upskilling those folks as well. So it's kind of a win-win-win.
1: And automation is actually part of what will allow us to bring more manufacturing back to the U.S., which is part of our overall manufacturing strategy, which is make where we sell. What we've found is around the world, people really want to buy products that are manufactured in the regions where they live. And so over the last several years, we've been bringing more and more manufacturing back to the U.S., and working on how can we make that product cost-effectively in the U.S. So it takes more work to do that and really figure that out, but the technology and the automation are going to allow us to do that and then also retrain the workers here to be able to use that technology. We're using things like AI for training and some other programs that will really help accelerate that.
0: I have a unscientific theory that I actually think automation is going to create more jobs. Yeah. Because there's a, (laughs) I think it's a false narrative when people say, oh, it's taking jobs away. I don't think so.
2: I agree with you. It's changing the
0: nature of work. It's the future of work, but it's not removing work. Absolutely.
2: We say it all the time. We need to just unlearn the way we were doing things and just relearn a new path. But it doesn't take away the jobs. Absolutely I'm not.
0: glad we're in violent agreement on yeah, that. Violent That's agreement, <laughs> good. yes. And are there other companies that serve as your North Star or inspiration that you look at and you're like, I want to be like them, even if they're not in your industry or in the manufacturing side, that have been inspiring to you guys as you're building these programs or even to your CEO? Yeah,
2: we definitely benchmark with everybody, We, have, including our where our board members came from and where they're currently working. We've looked at everybody and we were very purposeful about that because we wanted to make sure we understood what the leaders were doing, what our peers were doing, what our customers were doing, and make sure that what we designed and what we chose to move forward with wasn't going to be duplicative, but yet Fill a gap that needed to happen, and still rely on our expertise.
0: And again, you're measuring it, which I think is.
2: We are definitely measuring numbers. Yes, right. we are. Dev That's is the all about measurement. Side. That's how we make a good partnership. Yeah. She measures. <laughs> I definitely, we're a numbers-generated company. So even with social responsibility, we are measuring and defining what do we mean by an empowered maker, and how does that qualify? Is that one or two, or what's the number? So we got that all calculated.
0: And for our listeners, we're at this conference right now where we're with about 400 people, mostly communicators and marketers and some folks like you as well, Deb, who have a scientific background. And I'm kind of curious as to your impressions. The theme of the conference is Purpose Principles and it's hosted by PR Week. I want to hear your feedback and I'll give you mine, but I'm kind of curious, are you inspired? What do you think about some of the presentations so far?
1: I think sitting through the awards ceremony last night, it was really inspirational to see what other companies were doing and how many people are really thinking about this. And I think that is really, truly inspirational. And we're very excited when we saw that PR Week was hosting these Purpose Awards and having this conference because – there hasn't really been and a they forum make a for that. Ton of money on I'm this. sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: I was a silent protester because we didn't get shortlisted on it.
1: Oh, nice. Well, we won. Yeah, last night. <laughs> so congratulations. <yeah>. For, uh, <laughs> I should have for brand, known that. So we were very excited. But I'll I make think- sure I
0: call you out then on my presentation Excellent. in an hour. <laughs> Thank
1: you. But I think that was really exciting for us. I think we went through this process just like other companies are going through of really trying to identify that purpose and how to activate it and make it real and make it real for your company, for your customers, for your communities, which is. Why why you won. And it's a hard process. I mean, we really spend a lot of time and effort and thought process coming, working on coming up with the purpose, but then really on what to do with it once we had it. And we took some time to really try to figure that out. And we continue to do that. And we were just talking the other day that we feel like we've made progress up to X point, but then what comes after. And I think it's a continuous process of really understanding that purpose and how you can really ascribe meaning to it for people around you.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. I do think that you guys are doing it right. Otherwise, I wouldn't have you on, of course. But I also think that we are in this very odd moment right now where we're moving from purpose economy to purpose echo chamber. And I do feel like there are a lot of companies who are appropriating it. While they might be doing right, they might be doing it for the wrong reason. And I'll still take it because they're making an impact. But I feel like we're at this point now where we need a standard for what purpose really means. And we now have enough examples, thanks to you and others, where there's a little bit of a formula or at least parts of a formula that I think we can follow so we can stay true to it. Because there's a lot of companies that are, I think, one comes to mind, a confectioner who would say, oh, well, we want to offer snack choices to everyone. Or we now are saying in our labels, well, eat this chocolate, but also increase your legumes. Like, is that purpose? Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of weird. And that's where I start eye-rolling. And I'm very skeptical You can that cross way. a
2: line there because purpose, for us, we define it. It's definitely internal. It's not a tagline. It doesn't go on a commercial. It's baked into your business. We call it two things. It's the confluence of who you are and what your need is in society. And when you match those up, that overlap, that's your purpose. And so for us, Stanley Black and Decker, we say our purpose is for those who make the world. People say, well, that sounds really cool. What, what does that mean? So... Every product we make, whether it's a power tool, a fastener, or a security solution, goes to those who then use it to make the world. So our products go to make skyscrapers and build homes. Or our security solutions go to schools to secure them from horrible things. Our fasteners go into your smartphone and into automobiles. So that's what our purpose is. We exist for those who make the world.
0: I love that. It's a nice combination of actually, like you said, the intersection of purpose and mission because it's core to your business. So I really love that. So you'll hear me rant on about the opposite of that, but I will definitely give you a shout out because I love that. I think that's really smart.
1: And it came from our employees and from who we are and our foundation. And we'll talk about that this afternoon, which is we were founded 175 years ago by Frederick Stanley in New Britain, Connecticut, where we still have our headquarters today. He was a bolt manufacturing company, but he was also very involved in his community in New Britain. He was the first mayor of the city. He brought gas lighting to the city and was very involved in creating that community of what became one of the epicenters for manufacturing back in the 1800s. And we're also, as part of our philanthropic work and CSR strategy, we're also working with Connecticut, the state of Connecticut and the city of Hartford on revitalizing the city and the state and a big program to help bring more advanced manufacturing back to the state and create a epicenter for advanced manufacturing in Connecticut, really bringing back what had been one of the big centers for manufacturing back in the 18th, the first and the second industrial revolution.
2: And before you leave, Frederick Stanley, as a, in addition to being an entrepreneur, he was really socially motivated. So... Back, what is it, the Great Depression. And instead of laying off the workers from his factory, he redeployed them to making children's toys at the time. Amazing. It's, you know, a social piece. So that's all foundation Today we call
0: it rebadging, but it doesn't happen as often.
1: Yeah, they actually started manufacturing almost an early version of a Lego set in the facility there.
0: Can you imagine what would have happened if they kind of continued with exactly. that? Exactly.
1: We think about that sometimes. We would have been a toy company and not a tool company. <laughs>
0: Or both.
1: Both. Yeah.
0: I do really appreciate that you didn't start with what's our brand campaign? What's our marketing? You started with what's the business imperative? How do we meet the societal need?
2: Where did we come from? Right. Because
0: the issue I have right now is that there's a lot of companies that start with the creative. They want to know what the headline is. But the reality is if you do right by the business and by society and your key stakeholders the headline will follow.
2: Exactly. Right.
0: And that's the path that you guys have taken. That's so right. you thank it. you so much for being on. Mm-hmm. You guys you are amazing. Us. You're an awesome duo. And I look forward to hearing your presentation as well later.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure
1: to be here. Thanks so much for having us.
2: This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quitkin, The podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always-on-point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com, follow our Instagram at theboppodcast, and learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com.